Welcome to Season 2 of Let's Break Up, Toxic Workplace Stories. Join hosts Nicola and Gina as they tackle workplace toxicity head-on. Real-life stories, well-being, and standing against toxicity await you. Let's break up with toxic workplaces and create a revolution of positivity together. As a disclaimer, Nicola and Gina's opinions are solely their own and don't represent professional advice. It's just their perspective, so form your own conclusions. Heads up! This podcast may contain adult content and explicit language. So let's dive in and break up with toxic workplaces. Well, let's get cracking. Jay, welcome. Would you like to tell us where you're from, who you are, and kind of what industry you work in? Yeah, so my name's Jay White. So originally from Ireland and kind of now living in New Zealand. And over my course of my career, which still seems weird to say the word career because it sounds like something my dad would say, I've lived and worked in like nine different countries and a couple of different industries. So I actually started off as an electrician and now I'm like head of digital. So I've had my last 10 or 12 years have been in product management, digital leading teams in the software space. Awesome. What kind of got you into that? Like what, what, how did your career develop? How did my career develop? So how I came from being an electrician. So I was like a high voltage electrician, which is a really specialized, specialized thing. So we would take six month contracts at power stations and I specialized in conversions. So taking um, old coal fossil fuel power stations and making them renewable. But then you just ended up in six month, nine month contracts and you were like blown around to different spaces. And then it, you never got to settle anywhere because you would come in and you were brought in by Siemens and you were probably, you were paid a bit more than the people that were already there. So there was already this like disparity there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I met my current wife and I just got sick of my next job was going to be in the, but F of nowhere in Canada. And I was like, I'm not moving here. I'm not doing this again. Because when you go, like, I've lived in here and I've lived here, everyone thinks it's, like, glamorous. But actually, there's no power stations in metropolitan areas, you know. If you go work in one in Adelaide, for example, you're nowhere near any town. You're living in, it's pretty much a fly-in, fly-out piece. And you just get sick of that after a while. And that does breed a real us-versus-them toxic mentality if you ever want to see see that i also love that you called her your current wife was there plan for wife number two uh, no but i'm her second so she may be the one that <laughs> oh, she, might, she might have the plan nicola <laughs> i'm not saying i have the power in this, in this <laughs> she's the one with the history of upselling and upcycling so uh, that your job i don't this is so obscure but there was like a french um series and i think it was called the wall and it was about, it's like, it described exactly in my mind what you were describing because it was like, they were in this like really remote part of Canada or Quebec. And it was just like all of the buildings that, um, you know, were doing, I, they weren't doing like what you're, we were doing, they were doing something else, but it was just very remote and everything existed just for the workers. But like you could only come in by bus or come in by plane and everything was contained to that little area. It was like you would get shipments in and that's it. And it was like you were cut off from most of civilization. 
Yeah, very similar. So I worked in one in Wales and we lived in shipping containers that were fitted. Yeah. And it just creates this weird dynamic of if you're not in with the project manager of the site supervisor, your life's not going to be really good. Right. Like you could be the one in the trenches pulling the cables while the favourites are kind of doing the nicer jobs. Got it. That's that sounds terrible. You don't yeah. realise it when you're in it, which is the interesting thing. You never like, do, right, Nicola? Whenever you're in a toxic environment, it's like we've talked about various experiments like where you're just swimming to stay afloat and you don't realize how hard you're working, you know, stuff like that. Um, I think that's common with a lot of people who experience like toxic workplaces and burnout and stuff. You don't realize how bad it is till you're out of it. Yeah. Until you've actually removed yourself out of it. Or if it's so toxic or so blatantly toxic, you know, like when we spoke to Kira about the microaggressions, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're really obvious and you have to call someone in to come and kind of sort it out. But I think that gets to like, that's a whole different kettle of toxic. I think the one that stuck out to me the most was when my four-year-old like begged me not to go to work anymore because Why? I didn't because I didn't play with her anymore I got home because of where I was working it was like first of all you, everyone had to be in the office it was that weird thing of like if I don't see you you're not you're not productive really weird because you don't need to watch me do a powerpoint presentation or a lot of like product roles in particular like a lot of it's thinking so there's no actual um output and it's like, are you more creative walking on the waterfront or are you going to be more creative if someone puts you in the box and says, you better think of the next thing right now? Yeah. Um, so kind of an eye-opening when, like, you've got a four-year-old telling you not to Not, not to go, go away. Like, so that kind of segues really nicely. So, you know, we started a conversation around your previous, like, toxic workplace that you had come from. Um, so I'm kind of curious to know, what were some of the red, well, how did you get into that job in the first place? We won't say where it was as usual, um, but I'm curious to know how you got into the role and were there any red flags in like the recruitment process or did you see any red flags right up front or did the red flags come later when you were embedded and then all of a sudden you were like, surprise, red flags everywhere. No, I think I, I ignored a lot of them throughout the, the Right, process. but looking back, do you yeah. see them now? And can you share what they are now, if well, you remember them? Yeah, it was really interesting. So when I came out of, so I did three interview stages, and I came out of two of them going like, well, I, I obviously haven't got this job, because like, for the first one, the person interviewed me, I didn't speak. So it was like a half an hour interview, <laughs> where I probably spoke for three minutes. Of, of the interview where they just told me all about how great they were and how great the culture was. So I just came out of that going like, okay, they've obviously just filled the time and, you know, we'll, we'll just move on with our lives because it doesn't matter. Mm. Then it went to the next stage and the next stage. And it was like, I think one of the two big red flags now I always look for is if you're going to, if you're going to work for someone, ask them what their hobbies are outside of work. And if they don't have any run, like just run that's if they're a, that's a like good point 
because they're just going to be on their phone the whole time. Like all they care or about. All they do is work. Right. Right. Or they're not going to understand that you will have a hobby and why that's important to and you. Or so that's like life I'm... balance period. Right. Cause like if they're probably working the whole time and, ex- and even though Nicola, we've talked about this before, like even though it's not written, they still, if they're your supervisor, they're still going to expect you to respond to them. Yeah. Even if it's outside of working hours, which is like, so so messed up i also don't you think the red flag was that second interview where they just talked about themselves and like how like if (laughs) if somebody is saying how great they are at something and you actually put them to the task like over and over i always find like 99 percent of the time they're not that great at it so if somebody's talking about how great they their company culture is i would say 99.9 percent of that time it's garbage. Well, that's what I was going to say, because the other second big red flag to me is when I probably interviewed with five or six people that all had the exact same answer about the culture. Mm. But what was really weird when I look back at it now is I never once asked about it. So like they like forced it into the conversation. Mm-hmm. It's quite funny when you think back of it now when you're like, what does the day-to-day of this role look like? And then someone starts parroting off an answer about the team culture and how we work. And you're like, okay, I didn't ask that. It's weird that you had the same answer as three other people. And it's like, that is really weird. So so when you got into the, obviously you got the job after 500 um, interviews later, Parroted interviews later. Parroted interviews, nothing about you. Amazed you got the job. We don't, we don't care about you. <laughs> yeah, we don't care company, about you at all. We don't give a shit about you. Just know that the company culture is amazing. You're going to love it and you're going to die loving it. That's really what they were saying. We're going to fucking die here. <laughs> yeah. And in my final interview, one of the panelists was in their car, you know, the, <laughs> the whole way through it. And it's like, cool. And so I, I genuinely thought, they had a preferred candidate and like I was the one that they were dragging along to say that they interviewed. There's a kind of freedom in that though, isn't there, Jay? Cause you're like, fuck it. I'm just going to like, I'm just doing it to do it. It's good. And like, if you don't think you're the preferred candidate, you just kind of show up and be who you are. So yeah, there's a freedom in that. Kind of what I say to people that I mentor, it's like, if you want to, look for a new job interview at a few places that you don't really care about first to get that rustiness out so like your first interview isn't the one you really want um so i kind of treated it like that um and i guess which like, what probably the- to to your um to your benefit Benefits. which is probably one of the reasons why you got the job because you were probably just so like <laughs> like yeah. low-key, you know but what i kind of learned afterwards is that I feel like they didn't necessarily want someone that was that experienced because they were very controlling. So the fact that I was probably a bit more like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever, probably like played into it. And then when I got in and tried to do my role, it wasn't quite loud. So when you got into the role and they were quite controlled, tell us a little, let's let's deep dive into the control (laughs) here. Deep Nicola dive. has like her her catchphrases circle back deep dive gorgeous wow I love it for you that you are such an asshole I love this for you thank you I love you Nicola and I love your catchphrases I love you too 
Um, so. I have catchphrases as well. Okay. But oh, so here's do. the thing. Yes, I know. So here's the thing. Nicola was going to say, go ahead. <laughs> what I was going to say was, all right, you get into the organization. Tell us a little bit about the organization, not anything identifiable ofs, but like what did they do? What were they doing? Well, it, it was weird because it was, I would say, day two or three, I was told, here's two people on your team you need to get rid of. So I hadn't even completed my like onboarding process. And Just then get they, rid of them. Yeah, manage them out. Oh, do it in New Zealand. Uh, I mean, you can if well, you can do it wherever you want to. You just have to do it in a legal way. Were they were they contract? Were you a contractor or were you no full, so full, full time? Okay. Um, and I, I think like Nicola, you can attest to this as well. Is like the way you the one of the benefits. I've worked for a couple of American companies, and one of the benefits of I guess at will employment is like there's a lot there's a lot less games if someone wants to get rid of you. You can actually just say. And I think, well, right. And I think from like, there's more like you have to have like things written up in your file. Like it's much, it's a lengthier process. Whereas here they could just decide they pay you too much and they found someone who they think they can do your job for like half the price. So bye. Yeah. yeah, It it could, or they just decide they don't like you and they want to shit can you. It doesn't, yeah yeah so you have to there's a lot more nuance and Mm -hmm. kind of stuff to do it in New Zealand and then like to the point now where if you get put on a performance improvement plan you kind of know you're on a ticking clock whereas actually they're supposed to be hey let's help and coach you through it but it's actually like yeah you know we're just in six months time we know where this is gonna go we just all have to dance dance around with it um but then they would just tell you it's kind of weird and i've had this a little bit and i think i I kind of remember nicola you telling me a story at work of how some guy at your kindergarten just came up and said something really racist to you because you were another white person and like the way the my manager would talk to me and like would tell me stories that were bonding i was like wow what the hell do you think about me as a person like you know he would talk about how he's been in meetings where people have cried and he's just sat there going like, you can finish crying now. Like this meeting is continuing. And like, he would talk about how like it was, there was like a badge of honor for him that he like knew how to get, get through these things. And he had like a playbook for how to do it, which is kind of interesting because, you know, they tell you that when you start and then a year later you see that happening to you and you're like, okay, cool. So this is where we're going with, Here's the playbook on how to fire people and how to manage through people crying in a meeting because you're trying to fire them. Oh, it's happening to me right now. I'm seeing the words as they're, it's like, like, but it's like, I think I've said this before. It's like people tell you exactly who they are if you listen closely enough. So with one of my previous employers, I remember my first week we were talking about someone who, I nabbed as I, I kind of had a feeling that they were going to be problem. And my, my supervisor was like, well, you know, everyone's basically fireable. So don't worry if it, if she doesn't step up, if they don't step up, 
they can be fired. So of course I was fired. <laughs> Cause when you first go in, you think about it like, well, that's not going to happen to me. Right. That's our thought. I feel like we think, well, we're different because we have all this experience or whatever it is we tell ourselves. But if your company is saying so-and-so is expendable, we're all expendable. Listen. Right. So that's another thing that I think we don't always, you well, know, and also been interesting in like a couple of places where I've had, I feel like some bosses have all read the same book from the 1980s. Like, so I've had like three or four places where probably once a quarter, there'll be an all teams meeting about how we're having too many meetings and everyone has to like stop having meetings. And then the next quarter, you're like, none of you are working well together. And like, can you not see how like, one has, has led to the other? Um, and I've been in like places where you've got, like an executive team and then a extended leadership team, which is just a weird way of saying you're not part of the decision-making process. We just yeah. don't need to do it. And I always wish for a couple of them, if they were just, I've always said like, let me know what the rules of the game are and I'll decide if I want to play them or mm-hmm. not. Like don't, cause it's fine to say, we don't want you to be strategic. We don't want you to do this. We just want you to execute things like tell people that. Don't mm-hmm. tell them that you want them to come up with ideas and be strategic and take ideas forward and then just shit can it like behind their back and, and stuff. Um, and I, one place in particular was really weird where like as a member of the LT, our boss went through all our calendars and like, why are you having one-on-ones with like the head of engineering? And I'm like, well, in my role, like he's my counterpart <laughs> to what we do. And then everything had to be done. You had your three-on-ones is what I called it because you had the executive team would come in and meet with every LT member once a week and they would just tell us what to do. And it would really depend on where you were in the day of like what you got. So if you were at the end of the day, you probably got a really bad session because they were like annoyed with everyone before you and you got the thing. But if you managed to get in at 9 a.m. on Monday morning, you could get your stuff in first and it would like snowball onto someone else um so has there been anything like so incredibly insane that has happened to you in any of your toxic workplaces that you would like to share stay with us we'll be right back our podcast is powered by the seamless one-click installation and wordpress starter wizard from siteground choose from pro designs add contact forms Online stores, portfolios, all automated, no tech stress. Say goodbye to mundane setups and hello to a stunning podcast platform. Join us on Let's Break Up Toxic Workplace Stories and let SiteGround handle the digital stage for you. Launch your podcast website effortlessly, because breaking up with toxicity starts here. Ah, insane. Yeah, there's... One place where I worked, where I got hired and in my four week notice period, I showed up and no one from the leadership team that hired me was there anymore. So during while I wasn't there, a new CEO, a new everything like mm. came in. They like, they did me. they even know that they hired you? No. So when I showed up, there was no laptop, no nothing. It was like, but I was in their system so I could like, get myself in the door right 
so I got in and I went to like where my desk was because I had been introduced, I had been shown around by the team like the week before or something. I'd come to like a Friday night drink, so I kind of knew my way in. But I was sitting there for about two hours on my first day, like just no one was. Did you even here. know who your manager was? Like, was there no. any information? No, there was there wasn't anything. Like there was um and then my team that I was working with had set up my laptop. So they didn't know. So like I was like, working in, but I wasn't in the payroll system, but I had access to like all the code and everything. And it probably took Were you just sitting there doing nothing? That's so awkward. Yeah, I was sitting there. I just kind of joined the team meetings and like, you know, when people walked around, <laughs> like I think you're like, I I'll just drift this way into this conference room, see yeah. what they're chatting about. Um, so I learned how to use the barista coffee machine, which is really useful. Um, that is, actually. The first can be quite useful. Making people coffees be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the new guy. Well, what was really funny was is how I met the new, H of H, the new head of HR was I was, I didn't know how to use the milk frother properly. And so, you know, if you don't get it right, it screams really loudly. And she came running out to like tell me that I hadn't to like knock uh, it off. Then she was like, Who are you? And that's when she found out I was a new starter. So if I hadn't made that bad cup of coffee, I don't know when I would have like gone through the induction process or if I'd still be there today, just sitting there following people into <laughs> random meetings. And that's hilarious though. It is then, always awkward that first day when you don't know what's going on and like everyone's always so busy with their own work and you're just kind of like, okay, like ready to work, excited, you know, so strange. And then the yeah. one that I was hired by an American company. So my bosses were in New York. Mm-hmm. So I just had a laptop, but I hadn't spoken to anyone. So a laptop just showed up and you're like, cool. Do I just log in? And because 9 a.m. <laughs> But 9 a.m. Monday morning is 3 p.m. Eastern Sunday. So, like, they weren't even working on my first day. So you're just sitting there in your home office going, cool, free laptop and a water bottle, and we'll just see what see what happens. So what happened? How did you get started with that company? They eventually came online. Yeah, well, because we had a Wellington office. So the, oh, okay. the CTO in Wellington, who I'd never met during my process, rang me up like randomly the clock when they kind of remember well I think when I had three failed login attempts and then they realized they're like who is this guy yeah (laughs) (laughs) trying to log on with three failed login attempts yeah and then so when people go why did you only stay for like a year at these places just like because they didn't know I was working there I think (laughs) like not getting off to a good start they didn't even know they hired me they didn't tell me what my work hours were like I showed up and nobody nobody knew where to put me I paid, but I'm very confused. Yeah, I I remember I showed up to, nobody told me, this is years ago, nobody told me that this company that I got hired at didn't work from like 9 to 5. They worked from um, like 10.30 to like 6.30. It was like, a yeah. So I showed up at like 8.45 all early and it was one of those like loft style places in Brooklyn and you could bring your dog to work. So it was me and my little dog and we're sitting outside in this cold like cold loft like there was like not it's like only insulated in the office areas waiting for like an, and I'm like nobody know and then like the first person who showed up to open the office I was like oh hi I'm the new person and they were just like okay I was like this is 
awkward. It was so bad. <laughs> Cause like they were like, and then then finally someone was like, We didn't know today was your first day. And I was like, Huh? Like I have an email. Like nobody knew it was like my first day. And it was just it was so weird and bizarre and awkward. So I totally understand that. Yeah. But especially when you're like, who's your manager? And you say their name, like, oh, she doesn't work here anymore. Like, oh, yeah. Um, good to know. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. Exactly. That's even worse. I remember the manager who hired me didn't show up for like the first week of my work and like they didn't tell anyone else that it was my first week. And so people were like scrambling to like onboard me. It was, I get that a lot. Have you had anything like that happen to you, Nicola? not really no you're just very memorable I'm always pretty memorable I you know mm-hmm. I yeah. yeah no I I I yeah I can't think of a time that that's ever happened even with like big restructures you know um that's lucky you so <laughs> Why don't you tell us some of the lessons you learned then, Jay, from your various toxic workplace experiences? The biggest kind of tool lesson, what have you, is that I take now is if someone you cared about told you what they were going through, what would your advice to them be? So like, I remember my wife like sat me down one day and was just like, this is enough because like, if I was going through this, you would tell me, get out. But you don't do that for yourself. And it's really weird. And it's good to try and build that self-reflection in it. Like, you know, when you're feeling, I, we all have our tells, right? So mine was, uh, I stay up late and I, like, game. So once I start mm-hmm. seeing I'm going later and later into the evenings, that, okay, something's not quite right. Um, so being able to separate yourself from your own situation a little bit and just go okay if this was my wife brother sister whoever would I want them to go through this and if you would say no to someone else why would you put yourself through it like why wouldn't you take yourself out of that situation so that's Mm. one big thing and another one is just people one of the biggest things I've learned is that successful people aren't necessarily good at their job. They're lucky a lot of the time. And some people are like, there's that real Venn diagram of people that are like really successful, but they're really good. And like one of the companies I would name was like the best company I've ever worked for, which was Hazard Co. Like, and I didn't realize how good they were. And then I left and I'm like, oh, I should have just stayed there. <laughs> so much sometimes it's the devil you know right (laughs) yeah and um one of my big issues was that I like climbed too quickly I was too ambitious and I think if I'm being self-critical I probably got too senior too quickly and I hadn't built up the tools to be in that position Mm -hmm. and if you think of like what we talked about a bit earlier about whether looking at yourself or whether you were the toxic one or not like so I was in really turbulent companies and it was really easy to climb off the back of other people because they weren't happy so you could come in and you could do it and you could you know and it could make it easier because you're like essentially stepping on those that are failing so it's actually easy to win because you're just like you guys suck anyway the minimum work is going to make me look awesome or if i do one of 
Sorry. Right. It's like quiet hiring because it's like if you can just easily do Nicola's job, who's got five million things going on, then they'll get rid of Nicola and you'll have a higher, maybe a slight raise, maybe a better, you know, position title or whatever. And but you don't really know what you're doing. You just happen to be good at whatever that one thing Nicola wasn't good at. Right. So it's like you just I can, Yeah. And, but then it's mm-hmm. like you have to ask yourself the bird's eye view if you're doing that other people are going to do that to you well that was the other thing is like now being in like team lead positions for a while is you realize that it's really difficult to still give yourself to people when you've been kind of hurt and backstabbed whatever word you want you want to use and like trying to be trying to not let it affect who you are as a person is a really difficult thing for me um mm-hmm. and it has been so you just go people because people will take everything from you mm-hmm. i know it's harsh to say but like a lot of your work friends are not actually your friends at the end of the day like if it comes down between you and them you both have mortgages to pay they're going to they're going to throw you under the bus yeah a hundred percent and it took me way longer than i would like to admit to kind of learn that a little bit, but then I you still don't you... think we've learned it. I don't think like even Nicola and I, we talk about toxic workplaces. And if I were to go, if you were to hire me tomorrow, Jay, and be like, oh, she's my friend. I, you know, I met her on this podcast. She's cool. I would genuinely think that we were friends. And that might at one push comes to shove, like what you just said, if it's your job or my job, you're going to protect yourself. So yeah. it's, you know, I, I don't know if that's a lesson that humans can ever learn unless you're a sociopath (laughs) like and you have no feeling do you know what I mean like it's a hard it's a hard line because it's like our like we have a camaraderie of people and you'd like to think they're your friends but are they real you know it's it's a tough line to tell I think and I think for me anyway and I can't speak for anyone else but when I think back of it it's like all the people that rallied around me in the past have always been people that reported into me and mm. probably wounds me up to go and take the, the bullets so like I've been told I have a hero complex I'm very easy to like you can wind me up and I'll go and fight a million fights um, and I think some people have used my naivete against me mm. in the past but what I kind of struggle with at the moment though is like how do you not let that turn you off from helping people yeah. How do you how do you feel it's changed your leadership style now? Do you feel like you've got a more empathetic leadership style or do you feel like you're more I don't know, you you tell me what where where do you think you've landed now? I think I've developed different leadership styles now where I think I only had one before. Um and it's more like I've I've got a team of 12 now and I've learned that you can't be the same style for each member of the team and it's Mm. much better earlier on avoid the instinct to jump in and solve things and like learn about the the person so like you've got some people that need cold hard facts and figures some people need a cuddle some people need to kick up the ass and like you can't be everything for everyone Mm. Um, and one thing I do with the team now that I have is if I'm having a bad day i'll tell them 
that I'm having a bad day. And if we've got an upcoming one-on-one, I let them opt out of it. Like I'll say, hey, like I'm having a really bad day, but we're really happy to still meet you, but I want it to be your choice. Because I've been in loads of one-on-ones with my managers where they literally sit there for an hour and tell you all their problems. And it gets to like 57 minutes on the clock and they go, anything you want to discuss? And you're like, ah, no, I just want to get out of here. Um, trying to not do like that. I need to go take a shower from all the TMI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I can't wait to go tell everyone else about this afterwards. Now that I know how to froth the milk properly, I can yes. uh, have a proper oh. conversation. Um, so but- is there any other parting words or advice or anything that when you were thinking of coming on that you really wanted to make sure people heard because what like we touched on earlier you know Nicola and I just wanted to have a when we started the podcast we just were like let's open it up and like have a like just an open conversation because I didn't realize how many people don't talk about this subject but yet anyone you ask if you say hey have you ever been part of a toxic workplace I think everyone would say yes at least once right my biggest parting advice for anyone would be it's not personal. It just feels like it is because like a lot of the time it's, it's really not because a lot of the bosses you've had in the past that you think hated you or whatever, like they don't think about you. No, or they have like, or they have their own like work trauma that has shaped them to be the kind of boss or leader that they are, which is still not personal because that's their own stuff that they have to figure out. We're just like all wounded humans walking around trying to pretend like we know what we're doing. And none of us do. And I feel like if we just all like leveled with each other and I was like, hey, you know, I'm good at what I do, but sometimes I don't know what I'm doing, but I still figure it out. Like we're cool. I feel like most people would be like, all right, I get that. Same. They'd probably be like, same. (laughs) Yeah, and I think one of the other big lessons I learned was that, like, two things can be true at the same time, right? Mm. It can be a bad place for me to work, but it can be a good place for you to work. And mm-hmm. some of the mistakes I've probably made more junior in my career were, like, trying to recruit people to how bad it was to work. Yeah. And then that feedback gets back up to the boss. So, like, don't – your experience won't be the same as someone else's. So try and understand where they're – coming from and some people don't care about a bullying culture because they know how to work within that mm-hmm. and like they're like this job works for me i know how to work with my boss and that's they- fine they can have that it's like good for you keep going on with your bad self but for me i gotta i gotta go <laughs> yeah i gotta get out of this because it's not worth it um, and then if yeah. you feel like it's not worth it, it's probably not worth it. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Or if it's affecting like your mental health or your physical health or your sleep. I think that's also a really big like self-reflection box that you can tick. Like, okay, is my job consistently affecting my sleep, consistently affecting my mood? These are things I've learned. Is my Has my physical health gone down? or up since I started the job? Like, did I gain weight? Did I lose weight? Am I having more physical ailments? Do I feel good? Whatever. I think it's just, you know, take a few minutes to check in with yourself. Um, And another thing that you touched on, Jay, was how when you get to have a certain amount of experience, it's it's tougher for you. Because 
people will hire you thinking that you might be the great elixir for the problem, but do they really want that? Yeah. And usually the answer is no. <laughs> yeah, I want I don't want a, a yes man unless you disagree with me, then I definitely want that yes man to come back has kind of been my my experience, which is which is really weird. Yeah, and exactly. I, I just want the expert to come in and tell me we're doing everything right. And then you can yeah. go. But if you disagree with me, based on your experience, we don't like you because you're whatever, arrogant, whatever, insert adjective here, and you can hurry along, hop away. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Before we dive back into uncovering the complexities of toxic workplaces, we have an important request for you. If you find our discussions eye-opening and thought-provoking, consider subscribing to Let's Break Up, Toxic Workplace Stories. Subscribing not only ensures you catch every episode, but also helps us reach a broader audience with our message of positivity and change. But that's not all. Leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform goes a long way in spreading awareness about the impact of toxic workplaces on individuals and the solutions we explore together. Yeah, and then just... Don't chase the money. That's what I've done. And I know it's easy to say after the fact and it's hard to turn it down. But if someone's paying above market rate, there's probably a reason. There's a reason. Yeah. There's a real, there's a real reason for it. <laughs> yeah. And I remember when I was leaving one of the other places, the offer I got was like X thousands of dollars less. And when you work it out after tax and per week, it's like, would you pay $60 a week not to be this? stressed because once you get over say 120k mm. everything you get on top of that doesn't make a huge difference in your and, and that's also a whole different other topic that i just want to barf about because you're right it's like you could be making a decent amount like a decent six figures and unless you're it's like from like 150 i want to say here in america to like 300 it doesn't make that much difference but then once you're over that 300 that's when you feel the difference it's like a lot um yeah yeah I, so yeah going back to what you were saying like the six like would you pay 60 dollars every week or every day to not feel like this and you, what do you think well yeah exactly well now the answer is I... yes right it's like fuck yeah i'd pay 60 bucks to not feel like a piece of shit and like shit on all day at work i would i absolutely like, i've do. gone from my daughter asking me not to go to work to dropping her off at school three days a week you know just that right thing. Uh, yeah granted though we do have a very um family friendly work environment we do you um, guys do now right yeah it's actually just you just reminded me of like one of the biggest red flags that i would look for in any interview process now was the promise of a promotion to come so you see it a lot in like product roles of like come in as the senior product manager and then within a year we'll promote you to head of or cpo or whatever it is and then you just spend three years chasing that brass ring that was never um gonna be there because if they want you to grow into that role why wouldn't they have you why wouldn't there? they just hired you for that yeah. Especially or like, had a clear, like roadmap right like yeah. if you hit x y and z by six months then you get this right if they really it, that's what i always say if someone really wants to do something they'll do it yeah right so it's very similar in that situation too and without trying to more privilege again, is like be very wary of ESOPs. 
or like share programs because usually they have a one, two, three year cliff. And what I used to think was like, oh, cool. So if I stay here, I'll get this. But sometimes it actually puts a countdown clock on your employment. Can you, before you go on, I, maybe not everyone knows what ESOP is. I, I don't know if it's very prevalent anymore here in America. So do you want to just give us a little, it was like back in the day, like when my dad was working and it's more prevalent in like fortune 500 companies, but a lot of startups, I don't, I don't know if they do it anymore. So do you mind just giving a brief yeah, overview? So for people who don't know. It's a big thing kind of in New Zealand and Australia because it's a way of like not giving you 150k salary. They'll give you 100k salary and 50,000, say, ESOP. So ESOP is like employee share of profits. It can be different things. Like it's like a shared scheme where they go. We'll so how, set does that equate, how does that equate to money or is it just stocks in the company? That would be stocks that are valued at $160. Okay. Right? Yep. But what you don't realize is like, they're not actually your shares. They're set right. aside for you and you can buy them at that price or at a one year, two year, three year cliff will give you X amount of shares, right? So right. you think your total package is worth 250,000, let's say. But you actually would never see any of that until they share, sell the company or until you actually buy into it but it sounds great it's a bit like the bonus right like i would never take i would prefer to take if you were to give me a 100k salary and 50k bonus i'd prefer to take 120 salary and just forget about them right bonus is like at the end of the year someone else can just decide uh the company didn't meet performance targets or your team didn't meet performance targets so you don't get your right so it's su it's subject to something that is not necessarily a metric right and i also yeah. think with with esop um, you have to be proactive about it, right? Like if you want to buy the shares, you have to, you have to do it and, or, or like, right. So you don't actually get the money from it. You own part of the company and then you have to like invest it on the stock market. So it's like an extra job in a lot of ways for you. And like, for me, I had an, an ESOP at one point. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, didn't even pay attention. Yeah, I think it's that interesting thing of because also then as you learn more and more, um, companies can just dilute shares if they want to. You know, right. So can, it's it's basically like a a really shitty workaround. Yeah, it's like we can give you three hundred shares, but at the next AGM we're gonna release three hundred thousand shares more of that. And we yours all are gonna be worth a penny. Right. Yeah, you and you literally penny. it's worth a penny, so fuck you. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's all that kind of sleight of hand magic, right? Look over here, look over here, look over here. Like, and I think a lot of here. yeah, it's. I mean, to me, it just sounds like a Ponzi scheme. It's like a scam. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, we'll give you stocks, but guess what? They don't really mean anything. So you're really only getting paid ninety thousand a year, even though it says compensation's one fifty. And yeah. there's a big thing. Um, I'm not sure what, exactly what it's like with the 401k, but like in New Zealand, we have like our KiwiSaver, which is our um, pension scheme, retirement scheme. Mm -hmm. So like all the employees will give you 3% of your salary. So if you take less of a base salary, you're getting less contributions. So like mm -hmm. the bonuses and ESOPs won't be factored in. And I think 
a lot of right. So you're getting like three percent of like twenty thousand dollars a year, which is yeah. like garbage. It's exactly. when by the time like you or I are ready to retire and like you know. 15 years or so like that's going to be worth you could probably buy a gallon of milk with that but even if you were like we've got a three-year vesting cliff for ESOP mm-hmm. our average tenure is 1.8 years you know what I mean like it's obviously a tool. it doesn't mean anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know yeah. I know and like here in America no nobody gets a pension yeah it's there is something nice thinking about it as well like if you think of working earlier in our careers where like slack is great but slack also doesn't let you switch off oh no i won't use slack i'm like an old school people probably think i'm a dinosaur i'm like if you need me email me or text me i don't care yeah and i kind of miss one of the few things i miss about being an electrician is like when you left site you were you done. left you're done there's no like you don't bring <laughs> cables home with you and make them up at yeah, home. And you're like oh let me let me strip these wires at home yeah. it's like i'll do it tomorrow yeah um and that's the one thing i don't like about working from home even though i have a dedicated room in my house that is just my office i don't like being able like i don't not like being able to like go to a dedicated workspace outside of my home um I would prefer to still be in office to be honest but that's just not and now that everyone's after COVID now everyone's remote we gave up our office space in New York so it's just like it's not viable right now but I liked it for me it worked yeah I need a mix like I need to talk to adults face to face like I, I need that body language and I need that it's a bit yeah. like with the team leadership question like body language is so important well that's the thing like I got hired where Nicola and I met I got hired there for a consultancy and um like it was all remote so and it was very heavily slack so I I would say something like to one of my direct reports I'd be like oh my god you're killing me but if it but if on slack it sounds like I'm being a dick but yeah. if I were to just say to you, like, Jay, oh, my God, you're killing me, you would know I was like, I was just joking. Like, it was something said in jest. Like, I didn't mean it. Um, but it's you also know. Like what I say to my team now is like, if you tell me you're fine, I have to take you out. You're right. Worried. If we're in person together, I can see that you're not. If you're not fine. Yeah, so right. Differently. Like, right. And I just think it's a little green dot. Right. Make sure I'm fine. Like, <laughs> I just think it it really does people and humans a disservice because you don't, there's a lot you're missing. Like even it, not just tone, but like, yeah, you can pick up on nonverbal cues and, um, you know, it's just, I feel like it does everyone a disservice, like not being in person. Like even if it's just like being in person once a month, like getting to know people um, and their, you know, their weirdness. So <laughs> what else could I say like how everyone operates but it's like what you said um about like you can't be the same leader for everyone because some people need like a shoulder to cry on some people need a kick in the ass some people need um literally to be told what to do and then other people you need to push back and have them figure it out on their own well I'm a bit so usually I'm a huge American football fan so usually oh are you 
Yeah, so my aunt used to live in New York, so I used to go back and forth um, over there. Where in New York did she live? She lived in Manhattan because she worked as a events manager for some... Seemed like a really impressive thing when I was younger. It probably was like for her. Well, because I'm from Manhattan, but I was born in the Bronx, and I there's a little pot pocket of the Bronx that is very Irish, like off the boat Irish, and it's called Woodlawn. And I was wondering if maybe she had lived there because it's it's highly Irish. No, she didn't live there because she, she wanted the Bronx. Uh, she wanted to get away. Yeah. Drained. But um, I've always been really um, drawn to Buffalo. Oh, because, wait, like, like the actual location or the sports team? Well, the sports team oh, and the, the animals. People, like, well, the animals too, but like the people. So if you think, like, my grandmother was a huge pro wrestling and meatloaf fan. So that's like what I grew up with. So if you see, and it was really one of the most fun things about visiting New York was just like winding people up that Buffalo was. <laughs> The Bills were technically the only New York team. The other two teams were New Jersey teams, and like you could just get... well the Jets. Well, it's stupid. They're they're new. They're New York Jets, New York Giants, but they play in Jersey. Their stadiums in Jersey. I mean, I think at this point we should just like rename it like Long Island, New Jersey, because it's like Long Island, New York, and New Jersey are like kind of all fused, but they're not. But I don't know. It's weird. But Buffalo. All I know about Long Island is there's iced teas. <laughs> oh yes and do you know anything about the long island medium no okay that's Isn't a reality ice, medium iced tea no she's this crazy lady and her name's Teresa caputo and she's from long island and she's a medium and she could tell you that she sees dead people and she could talk to you you people that passed and she has crazy nails and big blonde hair and she wears really crazy clothes and she talks just like this i love her already is she my auntie um, there's this really amazing scene where she goes in to buy a refrigerator or a washing machine and she's wearing a gray sweatsuit, like gray top, gray bottom with crazy Christian Louboutin heels and her hair is like a big helmet. Anyway, look it up. You'll enjoy anyway. it. Anyway. Right, just for your, um, just for your pleasure, I'm adding this right here into our oh, little chat. Oh, is this chat. a picture of her? Just click on the link. I'm clicking on the link. I shouldn't just, click on you- the link. Because just look at the picture that comes up. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> that is Teresa Caputo. She's the Long Island medium. If yeah, you go to. She's got is a fan like, club. Is it like an OnlyFans club? No, no, no. She is like the spirits talk to me. You guys, it's insane. And you should watch You're it. Because hey. It's hey. is amazing. Like, it's so bad that it's good. You, you know, know who, I mean? you know who. Gwen Shamlin. Yes, I know. But but Teresa Caputo brings it. Let me just tell you. Do she she brings again it. one more time because we loved it. This is what you call Long Island Italian. And I know because my mom is Long Island Italian. Oh, and I grew sisters. up around. No, Teresa Caputo. No, but Teresa Caputo and her husband was Larry. And Larry went to L.A. and cheated on her. So now they're done. Oh, they're done. It's me. Yeah, they're done. Anyway, um, we digress. Anyway, this should we not go on the podcast, sorry. though, Nicola, because we keep getting yelled at for dig- digressing too much. Mainly me. I get yelled at on our comments. I, I, will, I will edit this out so we stop being yelled at. But seriously, Teresa Caputo is fun. a gem. You That's know what? Book. I know. This is hilarious. And I, you know what? It's not that you're being yelled at. It's just that people don't. 
don't appreciate or are inclusive of your diverse thinking. We could go with that. Um, I I do tend to digress. I I am self-reflective. The, the reviews are typically not wrong, um, but I think, you know, we're not podcasters. We're figuring this out as we go. Like, give us a little slack. But can we just quickly talk about, Nicola, how someone gave us a one-star review and just bounced? <laughs> Our only one-star review. Someone just gave us a one-star review. And I was, like, looking to see if there was any, like, you know how you could rate it at the bottom and kind of, yeah. like, explain why you rated it that number? nothing i was like that is so fucking savage good for them like one star and just they were like hey we bounce <laughs> it could have been a finger slip probably yeah. not probably not because i went back and listened to some of ours and there's been some episodes that i'm like this blows i can't get through this and i sat through it so you know i it is what it is like we're figuring it out well i you can know? give you a cause for hope where i've had customers before that have given us a one star review because they thought one was good <laughs> so i've had like reviews of apps i've worked on where like this is the best product i've ever had one star well, one star like, you know what one number one at yeah. the top. okay yeah. okay all right you know, I, I still knows? think that i still think they were like unlistenable one <laughs> bounce but at least they cared enough to do that. I just bounce. So you've, yeah, you've I, yeah, I would just be like, this isn't for me, bounce. Like, I even like the podcasts that I listen to religiously and love, I don't even review them. I don't even give them any stars, which is probably fucked up since I'm now a podcaster. I should probably go back and at least give them stars. I don't have to write anything, but... In recognition, yeah. though, of Jay being with us today, I did just have a look at our podcast chart rankings, and we are ranking currently number 60 in Ireland. Wow. Yeah. So out of how many? 60? All right. Well, okay. Back back on topic, even though I, I feel like we should keep in the one-star review conversation. Fine. We can keep it in. Because, like, I kind of I kind of like that person. Savage. I, I feel that's a brave and bold move. That's what I'm saying. Like, I kind of respect them for just being that savage. Like, fuck you, bitches. One star out. Well, your whole podcast is about speaking your truth, right? So, right. Yeah. So that's Dang. what I'm saying. I, I pray. I, I'm, I'm here for it. Maybe I should start leaving one star reviews. Like, some one of my favorite phrases is "no" is a complete sentence, and that's the equivalent of "no" is a complete sentence hey, when it comes to rating something. One star out. Love it. All right. All right, Nicola, come back because we're going to sign off now. Um, thank you mm -hmm. for your time, everyone. Thank you for your time. Any words? Yeah. Um, Nicola knows where to find you, so we'll put all that stuff up. Right? Well, she sits beside me at work, so she can definitely know where to find me. So. Well, it was lovely having you. Thank you, Jay. We really appreciate it. Yes. And hopefully by next week, our episode should be live. Nice. Awesome. Thanks, team. Thanks. Bye. Have a good one. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Let's Break Up, Toxic Workplace Stories. If you enjoyed our candid conversations and insights, don't forget to hit that like button, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform.